Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am staff writer Cody Goodwin. Glad you're here joining us today alongside uh, staff writer and recruiting expert Brett Greenberg. We're here to discuss a brand new Alabama head football coach. Uh, just literally, what, a day after Rodak and I recorded a podcast that we didn't think we would be recording, which was that Nick Saban was retiring. Um, he has a replacement, Kalen DeBoer coming over after two years at Washington to be Alabama's head football coach. Deal is being finalized, I believe, as we're recording this Friday late afternoon-ish. Um, he's going to be the guy. Um, there's a lot of different things that we will get into either on this show or in future podcasts. We'll be sure to talk to guys like John Talty, Mike Rodak, may even tap some of the national guys to discuss a little bit more about this. But we wanted to get an instant reaction podcast in your feed now. Um, Alabama's got their guy. Brett, what is maybe your initial reaction before we get into kind of some of the resume stuff and what he brings and recruiting stuff um, to Kalen DeBoer being uh, Alabama's new head football coach? Yeah, for starters, it's <laughs> that was, you know, I was like a little over 48 hours, I think it was. And I know Greg Burns said 72 hours. It just, dude, not even 48 hours. I, I don't even. know how, <laughs> I don't know how it was for you. I know how it was for Alabama fans on Twitter, but for me, Felt like we were on day eight. <laughs> um, but it, again, it's just remarkable. I mean, it's University of Alabama. It's, and I put this on Twitter. It's, is this the greatest or the biggest head coaching vacancy in sports history? And there's, I know a lot of my followers are Alabama, but there's an argument to be made there. And for Greg Byrne to go out there and get seemingly his guy in under 48 hours or just around the 48 hour mark is remarkable. But yeah, I mean, instant reaction to me, it's, you know, low hanging fruit here, but offense, um, you know, Pac-12 offense. I know he's bringing coming over. You know, Washington's going over to the Big Ten. But my initial thought is offense. And watching that semifinal game against Texas and seeing Michael Penix Jr. and Roma Duze and all these other guys just kind of air out the ball. I know you know the offense didn't look as good as it did the whole season against Michigan. But again, you know, low hanging fruit there is just offense, offense, offense. And already talking with a couple commits and summer enrollees, summer signees who haven't enrolled yet two wide receiver guys, you know, they seem to be very thrilled with that. And some other guys you talk to is just kind of what, what I said too, it's just offense, offense. And, you know, Alabama uh, at the beginning of the Nick Saban area was, you know, winning 21 to three or, you know, seven to three or whatever it may be. And then it kind of, that big jump, he adapted and, you know, got that run of quarterbacks and Tua and Jalen and Mac and Bryce Young and, you know, Ed Milrow last year, maybe a little bit of a down year, so to speak, offensive wise. But <laughs> seems like Kalen DeBoer is bringing a whole lot of offensive uh, firepower, no matter who, you know, is on his roster. So, again, offense, offense, offense for me. Yeah, offensive background was kind of uh, the theme, at least of a lot of the, um, you know, guys that they seemingly targeted, or at least the names that we continually heard, names that, you know, our John Talty heard, our Matt Zenitz heard. Um, you know, throughout the process. And we won't dive too much into what exactly, you know, that process was like. We'll have a few days to maybe flush out a lot more of that information. But a lot of the names that popped up, Kalen DeBoer, obviously, but also Mike Norvell from uh, Florida State. I know that Florida State had a really good defense, but that's a guy with some offensive background. Steve Sarkeesian, obviously, he was the offensive coordinator here at one point in time. Um, his name got spun around quite a bit. Um, but then also Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning, uh, more defensive-minded. Um, I think that was maybe one of the first names that popped up that people were like, yeah, bring that guy in. Um, but yeah, when when I think of Kalen DeBoer, the first thing I thought of was, okay, like this, this guy's a winner. Um, he has spent some time in the limelight, I think, this past season just with 
everything that went on about the Pac-12. And then you got the fact that like Washington was undefeated Pac-12 champs. They beat Oregon twice. Um, they ultimately, you know, 14-0 all the way to the national championship game before they lost to Michigan. Um, that's maybe where the offense kind of looked a little rough at times. Um, but overall, like that's, you know, what do we know about Kalen DeBoer? Let's let's maybe we should start there. He he's a winner. He is a offensive coordinator by trade. That's how he kind of came up as an assistant. Um, so again, kind of leans to that, you know, offensive idea, or that's kind of the first thought that comes to mind. Um, you know, he got his start at the NAI level. So this is a guy that has been, you know, lower levels of football, very similar to like a Lance Leipold, for example, at Kansas kind of started way lower level, non-traditional, you know, GA at like a power five type thing and growing into a head coach. Like this guy started NAI level, um, became a head coach there. Um, he's originally from South Dakota. He, he coached and played, he actually played ball at Sioux Falls in the NAI level. So, you know, kind of got his bearings there. And then he made the jump to FCS and FBS was an offensive coordinator for the better part of a decade before he jumped and became the head coach at Fresno state, went from Fresno state to Washington um, and Washington now down here to Alabama. Um, some stats that I thought were interesting as we were kind of going about the process, kind of learning about these guys. Um, Kalen DeBoer's career head coaching record, 104 and 12 at three different stops. That includes NAIA Sioux Falls, Fresno State, and then Washington. At Washington, the last two years where he's been, 25 and three. They went 11 and two in 2022, and then 14 and one this past season. Um, in the stretch of there, they won 21 games in a row, 14 this year, and the last seven from last year. Um, Another stat that stuck out, tw or excuse me, 12 and two uh, against top 25 teams, including 10 and one at Washington. And that includes a six and one mark this past year. All of those wins came in November, December, and January. Um, so you think offense, I think winner. Like this guy knows how to win games. He knows how to win big games, um, you know, and we can get into a lot more of, you know, what specifically he's ultimately going to bring to Alabama, but very impressive resume. Um, a lot of his damage was done at the NAI level, but clearly the last two years of Washington were impressive enough that, you know, he was not just the only guy, um, you know, or he wasn't the only name, I guess, that was floating around a lot of different power five jobs that may have come open. But like, um, you know, this guy seems to win every single place he goes, which I think is a really impressive, um, you know, that's something obviously you want when you're looking for a head coach, right? Yeah. You know, I think when people, you know, maybe look at the resume, they say, okay, well, you know, they coached at this level, you know, he coached here, but to me, I don't know about you, Cody, 104 and 12 is 112. I, I don't know how, <laughs> no matter how you cut it, um, that it's just remarkable. And, you know, you talked about it right there, his last two seasons at Washington, his, you know, uh, uh, record against AP top 25 opponents. I, I believe uh, three of those are first Dan Lanning. And I believe he's beaten, uh, Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, I believe he beat him last year in the Alamo Bowl and then beat him in the semifinal this season. So like you said, he's <laughs> he's winning big games and he's winning games against coaches that a lot of Alabama fans maybe would have said they would have liked a little more than Kalen DeBoer. Um, but yeah, it's just remarkable kind of his his come up. It, you know, you mentioned Lance Leipold, but it, it's, it seems like with Kalen DeBoer, it's kind of just risen like straight up. I mean, <laughs> from, you know, getting at Seahawks Falls 19 years ago. I mean, he was there from 2005 or 2000, 2009 was the head coach from 2005 to 2009. And 19 years later, or I'm not great at math, whatever years later, uh, being the head coach of university of Alabama. I mean, it's just remarkable. Uh, it, 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 it I, again, I, I like the hire. Um, if you're an Alabama fan, I think you're going to like the hire. And one thing interesting too, I brought up the quarterbacks earlier. Um, 
I think, you know, with Julian saying on the roster, it, it's going to be crucial to kind of keep him on on campus. I know we, we can talk about that a little bit later, you know, what players we think are crucial to keep on the roster. But one thing, you know, talking with a couple 247 guys and Brandon Huffin and Greg Biggins, um, kind of learning how he's kind of <laughs> quarterback whisperer, so to speak. Um, you know, Jake Hayner over at Fresno State uh, was you know, not very good, quite frankly, at Fresno State. Then, you know, he come he comes in and, and produces and he's an NFL draft pick. Then Michael Penix, you know, I know he had the inner in, injuries and stuff like that, but he was with Michael Penix over at Indiana and and then he leaves and then clearly Penix is, you know, in the portal and you know, there's something to be said there for him to go to Washington. I know he was I, I think he was one of the highest ranked quarterbacks in the in the portal at the time. So, you know, that's something to uh be said about that. He wanted to go back and play for, you know, his offense coordinator and Kalen DeBoer. Uh, and, you know, we've seen the <laughs> we saw the year Michael Penix had, you know, Heisman Trophy finalist. And, you know, I think uh, if, if you know, I, I don't know exactly how the roster is going to look, but you got to think you, you it's going to be good with whatever quarterbacks uh, in Tuscaloosa. hundred um, percent. We're going to bring on now John Talty, uh, senior writer at 247 Sports. Um, and he's been doing a lot of work here, um, just trying to follow the hiring process of how Alabama ultimately landed on Kalen DeBoer. He's been updating our Bama 247 board daily, multiple times, just with different updates and um, what he's hearing. Uh, John, uh, we're still kind of doing a quick little instant reaction to uh, you know Alabama hiring Kalen DeBoer. What was kind of your initial reaction when you heard that that was going to be the guy? Yeah, I think it's been kind of trending this way. Um, I think he was, if I think back to the initial, once we got past the initial shock of Nick Saban retiring, I would say he was one of the first names that I heard. Um, I think we posted, I think it was Thursday morning, I posted something about how an industry source who I trusted told me it would be either DeBoer or Dan Lanning. Um, and, you know, so it, it was a name that I think we've been kind of trending toward. There are other names, of course, that we reported on and mentioned. Uh, Mike Norvell at Florida State was one of them, Sark at Texas. But DeBoer was a constant. Uh, he was, you know, quiet the whole way through when there was more talk around other guys, which kind of led me to think, all right, there's something happening here especially knowing the way that Greg Byrne likes to conduct things. He was a Jimmy Sexton client. I think we expected it to be a Sexton client who ultimately got hired. So I'm not shocked by it. Um, and I think especially once we saw the, the, the field kind of clear out, it felt like it was only DeBoer left, really. I don't really know who was going to be next if it wasn't him. And uh, some of it was just trying to make sure that the money was right. Um, I reported something earlier today. He had a nine million dollar offer annual offer on the table from washington uh you know Bama, from my understanding is going to beat that but that's a lot of money um and so that was more than doubling his salary so washington was doing all they could to keep him and i think it just took some time to get it to a point where the numbers made sense for him to leave washington for alabama yeah a lot of details that are going to continue to come out just about the process of him you know washington fighting to keep him alabama obviously making their offer and their pitch uh, we'll learn more about that in the coming days i'm sure we'll have an intro press conference before too much longer but john i'm curious too from a pure like you know football fit like what what do you think when we brett and i were talking earlier when we think kalen DeBoer, we think winner we think offense what's kind of what what's the first maybe thing that comes to mind in terms of a football fit at alabama what are, what what's the, what's the tide getting yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, this is a guy who's had a meteoric rise over the last few years. Um, it's what's interesting, and I think uh, I think it was Matt Hinton um, who made this point on Twitter today. He's a good follow. Um, that for probably a, the decade that I've been in Alabama, there's been this constant question of who's going to replace Saban, and 
even a week ago, this guy's name was not going to be on anyone's guess. So it's interesting. He's, I think, in some ways still very anonymous within the world. I think if you're a college football fan, of course, you saw what Washington did this year. But before that, once you're a real football hardo, I don't think you knew much about him. I briefly met him this past year. Just, I mean, he was just kind of a regular guy. I mean, it wasn't like I, I thought a star walked in. I was like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. I shook his hand, said my name, and we talked for a second. That was kind of it. Um, and he's he's kind of been that guy. He's been – I've heard he's very low ego, very low key, regular guy, was able to live his life that way. I'm fascinated to see how he handles being in the fishbowl of Tuscaloosa and being – one of the most famous people from day one in Alabama. And I think that's kind of when we get past just the football side of things, which you guys can talk more about. I'm interested in just the fit standpoint of not a guy who's been around. Washington's a great program, but it's not Alabama in terms of the interest and the pressure and the support and all these different things. Uh, it's going to be a lot of people are going to talk about how he hasn't coached in the South. Uh, I know that some people say a winner's win, and I agree, but Brian Harson won a lot of games at Boise State before he came to Auburn. And one of the biggest mistakes Harson made was that he thought what he did there automatically translated. And it doesn't always. I think you need to have smart people, I think, especially in the recruiting and personnel departments. And Brett, this is your area. But he's got to have people who know the landscape. It is different recruiting in the SEC than everywhere else. Uh, there are just certain things that you need to know how to do. And I don't want to go too much more into it, but you just have, it's a different game than it is at Washington or Fresno state or Indiana. So he's got to have smart people around him to help navigate that. Uh, Alabama from an NIL situation has benefited a lot from having Nick Saban. Uh, he's going to have to get out there and talk to boosters and get some more money rolling in if they're going to be competitive. So I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just immediately thinking, here are some of the things that I think he's going to have to figure out. Um, sooner than later but just from a big picture standpoint he's won a lot i mean he was in the national championship game uh what was it monday i mean it feels like it was a month ago but <laughs> literally this week so that, yeah. that's kind of crazy. um and uh you know he he did a great job with michael Penix, and i think that's what you need to sell to jalen milrow that's what you need to sell to julian saying that's what you need to sell to uh, other qbs that you're going to be recruiting like hey i'm an offensive guru we're going to have a really fun offense here Ryan Williams, Isaiah Bond, like, let's get back on board. Let's do this. And and then, you know, just try to recruit and hire a good staff, hire a defensive coordinator that fits. There's already some names I've heard thrown out there that are going to be important for him to try to get one of them. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. I think there's uh, the other things that maybe come to mind when it comes to Kalen DeBoer and just the success that he had at Washington. Um, we all know about Michael Penix. We all know about Roma Dunze. We all know about how just that offense really and really the quarterback and the receivers, all those guys are probably going to be playing on Sundays sooner rather than later. Um, now you're coming to a place like Alabama that has a lot more talent than Washington. No disrespect to Washington. They got to the national championship game. But if you go back and look at, I know the 247 sports team talent composite isn't everything. I think there's a lot about it that's maybe an inexact science, but it is kind of a decent indicator of what kind of talent he's working with. Washington, I believe, was 26th this past year. Alabama was obviously number one. 
You look at some of the past recruiting team rankings since DeBoer has been at Washington, they've kind of hovered around the, the low to mid 20s, whereas like Alabama, obviously, number one, number two, continuously year in and year out. Um, this is a guy that has done a lot with less, and now he's going to have a lot in terms of just overall talent. And I think that's, you know, combine that just with the fact that he has a track record of winning and adjusting and, you know, finding ways to do a lot with maybe a talent deficit, so to speak. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about here if we want to, you know, stay optimistic and, you know, what is this guy going to bring here? I think he's going to bring a lot of really good ideas to a very talented roster. Now, roster management, I think, is part of his to-do list, right? Like, that's probably going to be at the top of the to-do list. You know, who's going to stay? Who's going to go? He just got done recruiting a bunch of guys to Washington. I believe there were guys who were taking visits to Washington this weekend that heard, you know, that he was on his way to Alabama now. What's that going to look like? You know, what is the crossover going to look like? What's it going to, you know, what is, what's the spring going to look like, right? There's a transfer window at the end of spring too, in addition to the current 30 day window for both Alabama and Washington players. So I'm super fascinated to kind of see what that looks like too. But um, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's going to have a lot more talent than maybe he's used to having at some of his previous head coaching spots. And that's a very intriguing thought considering how good he's already been. I'll throw that out to either of you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit on it right there. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, the recruiting class rankings and the team composite rankings, you know, talking with, again, 247 national guys, Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman, Brandon Huffman's out west, Greg Biggins is as well, very close with that Washington program, you know, not going to get too much into the details, you can go ahead and read that on Bama 247. Uh, and if you're not a VIP subscriber, you know, hop on today, you know, get 60% off for the next, I believe it's the next couple weeks, uh, you know, it, Washington was a little bit different. You, you said it exactly right. He did a lot more with less, um, you know, and, and they talked to me a little bit about how their NIL was set up there and in each program NIL set up a little bit differently, but the way, you know, I was talked to and, and told, it seemed like there was a little bit more stock maybe put in the current players on the, in the program and the current guys, you know, in the portal, maybe not as much money or effort being put into the high school level, um, and it's a John's point too. you know, you, you come over, you do more than less and you've got so many things around you. I mean, you got Nick Saban with an office in Brian Denny stadium, and it's just going to be, you know, priority number one is retaining the roster and then getting guys on your coaching staff that have been in and around the sec ranks in the recruiting space, you know, immediate guys that come to Ryan or, you know, Travis Robinson is up for contract. We'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, and it's, again, it's, you know, it, what Nick Saban has set up there to be successful for years and years as far as a recruiting standpoint goes film and how to do this and how to recruit this way and vice versa. I think it's going to be extremely important how Kalen DeBoer adapts to that. I, I don't know if adapts the right word, if he maybe, you know, completely overhauls it or says, Hey, this thing has worked and it's been a machine for 17 years. I'll adapt to that. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he kind of goes about that aspect. No, I completely agree. And I think it's, it's both an internal and external thing. You know, we've been part of this Sabinized way of doing things with the process. And we just, we're all kind of used to it. Fans are used to it. People in that building are used to it. So there's going to be a change no matter what. Kalen DeBoer is not Nick Saban um, in many ways. But I do think it would be smart to not completely burn it all down, right? I mean, there's Nick Saban is the godfather of the personnel boom. The, departments and all of the recruiting departments. I mean, he has had a massive impact in that world and he has set up a good system there. Now, of course, you're going to want to bring in some of your own people. I think it's important to do that, but there's a lot of really talented people at Alabama still. And so 
molding that I think is going to be important for him. Finding guys uh, that know how you do things and can help explain to people at Alabama how Caitlin wants to do it. That's critically important. But also having people at Alabama who have been there a while who can tell you, all right, here are the potential landmines to avoid. Here's the people you need to know. You know, just having those guys, uh, I think, will be really important. I'm curious to see, you know, just who he retains, who he doesn't. Um, you know, one guy I think will be interesting to see if he can bring him with him is Ryan Grubb, who, of course, Nick Saban tried to hire a year ago. I've heard some different things that have led me to believe that, that there is a realistic chance of that happening, especially if he doesn't get the, the Washington job. You know, I had heard from someone yesterday that they believed he would go with Kalen uh, if Kalen ended up taking the Alabama job. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But if that's the case, that immediately gets you excited. Um, you know, the last offensive coordinator that Nick Saban tried to hire also coming with Kalen DeBoer, I think is a great fit. And then if you hire a good defensive coordinator, uh, you're cooking right there and you kind of add some other recruiters and I think you're in, in a good spot. So, um, you know, I think again, when when you surveyed the market and you looked at who was a possibility, there are a couple names that we all thought, and you know, there's some that I think if they could have gotten would have would have been great. You know, Sark being probably the one that I felt the most about, but DeBoer is what was one of the top options available. You know, and uh, I think he says a lot about him that he is willing to come in after Nick Saban and try to, you know keep something going that has been unprecedented and replace a guy who you know you're going to be compared to every single day and that's tough i mean that 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 takes a real confidence to be able to walk into that situation and so we'll we'll see how he handles it but just even taking the job i think does says does say a lot about him yeah, john real I quick i don't want you to you know give up too much here but you know you You've covered the beat for 10 years and it's always been, you know, who's going to replace Nick Saban when it's all said and done. And like you said right there, you know, who wants to replace Nick Saban? And, you know, it's the greatest coach of coaching job available. And it's also at the same time, it's, it's, you know, you're getting compared to Nick Saban. Do you think like in conversations that maybe coaches kind of shied away from that more than you thought, if that makes sense? I did hear that today and you, it just, it's hard to quantify it. I do think that generally speaking that people it's a combination of factors, but I do think it plays a role. I do. Yeah. I think that certain people, if you're thinking I'm in a good position, I'm doing well and I don't have to be compared to that guy every day. Now I think the, the jump from Washington to Alabama, again, no knock on Washington. It's a great program, but that's, a pretty clear jump but i think and again i don't know all of say sark's thinking but hypothetically and talking to some people around him you're in a really good spot at texas things are rolling all those things plus do you want to replace saban right so i do think it's a factor for people i think that just also looking at the coaching market like there just weren't a lot of obvious names in my opinion beyond five or six guys that you're like all right he might have combination of resume personality all these different things to possibly fit it a lot of the guys that we thought could have been it over the years have all, a lot of them have faded you know whether it's mario cristobal billy napier um i mean those are two guys three years ago you thought might have a shot Dabo, uh lane kiffin you know a lot of those guys have either faded or fallen off for various reasons and then guys like sark and kirby were just too entrenched they have too good of a thing going to make sense to want to jump and leave that um to come to Alabama, but I got to drop off here. Great talking to you guys. Keep doing the good work and uh, maybe I'll pop back in a little bit. No, you're good. I appreciate you taking the time to come chat with us.
Yeah, there's a I, there's a lot of different branches off of this tree that we'll probably pick at over the next you know few days. Definitely after we hear from DeBoer for the first time during his intro press conference, which I don't believe has been announced yet, but I imagine it'll be sometime within the next week. Um, a lot of really interesting, a lot of interesting discussion to be had. And, and I th- one of the things that I was um, that I wanted to mention there that I thought was, you know, just the idea that this was the guy that ended up you know, wanting to be the guy that followed Saban. I think there's something to the idea of, you know, embracing that challenge, um, you know, and this is a guy that, you know, not to make too much of it, but like there's a very distinct difference between an FCS program and an FBS program. And there is a mountain of a difference between those two levels of football and NAIA football. And the fact that this guy was able to find a lot of success very quickly, very immediately at that level and, now you know you know once he was able to find all that success he was able to jump to the next level and then continue to find success at literally everywhere he went i mean even as an offensive coordinator um i thought this was super interesting as well you know when he was at indiana he was only only at indiana for a year and i'm sure there's a story there about how you know him and michael Penix ultimately met up and then they obviously met back up at washington and had the last two seasons that they've had but you know the year before he got to indiana um you know, it had been more than a decade, I guess, since Indiana had, you know, produced a winning season. And with DeBoer there one year running a pro style offense, uh, they ranked 15th nationally in passing offense. They averaged 32 points a game, over 430 yards of total offense per game. Hoosiers went eight and five, their first winning season since I believe 2007. Um, he also had coaching stops as offensive coordinator at Eastern Michigan. The year before he showed up, they ranked 111th in total offense. Um, a few years later, they had climbed to number 35 overall. Um, He had the same stop at Fresno State. He was a head coach there, but before there, he spent two years as the OC. Um, The year before he showed up, Fresno State ranked 120th in total offense. Um, His first year there, they jumped to 72nd. His next year there, they jumped into the top 50. Like This is a guy that runs towards challenges like that. And not only does he run toward and embrace the challenge, but more often than not, he comes out on top. Um, And so I can't think of a bigger challenge than trying to step in after Nick Saban. you know, and I think I, one, I think that says a lot about him. But then two, the other thing that also comes to mind, um, Nick Saban's not going anywhere. That was something that we learned this week in his various interviews after he officially announced his retirement is that he's, you know, he's going to have an office, I believe, at Bryant Denny. Um, he's going to be around. He's going to be in the community. He wants to support the program in whatever way he can. Um, I'll be very interested to see that dynamic, you know, because I think Kalen DeBoer is a smart guy, right? He's going to find a way to leverage a good working relationship with Nick Saban, you know, not only to kind of figure out, you know, the lay of the land and learn the ropes and, you know, try to establish his own thing there, but also, you know, like you got the greatest college football coach of all time, right down the road. Like, wouldn't you call him if you had a question, (laughs) right? Like not just on or off the field, but just, you know, even if it's like little day-to-day stuff, like I'd be very curious to kind of see how DeBoer utilizes the fact that Saban is not going anywhere, you know, and it doesn't, you know, we'll learn more when we talk to him, obviously, but there are a lot of people that would be intimidated by the fact that Saban is going to be there and he's going to be right down the road and you're the next guy coming in after him and you're going to be in his shadow. And like John said, you're going to be compared to him at virtually, you know, almost after every game, probably like even probably in the middle of games when you're making mid game decisions, um, be very curious to see, you know, how he embraces that, how he's able to kind of utilize and leverage that relationship with Saban to, you know, make his own mark here, you know, for however long he's here. Yeah, absolutely. You said it right there. You know, he's going to be kind of judged based off Nick Saban virtually at every game. <laughs> I would go as far it's as so say not it's, fair, but like, you know, it's coming. 
I would go as far to say is Kalen DeBoer better make sure he's got a Mercedes already lined up. <laughs> Just, ah. He's going to get, he's going to get judged on everything. But I, I, you know, I've talking with some people around the industry and, you know, some friends just throughout the last couple of days. And, you know, you brought up a good point. It's going to be very interesting to see how Kalen DeBoer, I wouldn't say welcomes Nick Saban because like Nick Saban's kind of welcoming him, welcoming him. I mean, on one side of it, it's like you said, you know, you've got the greatest college football coach at all time at your disposal on campus still with you. But, you know, on the other side of it, it's just devil advocate here is, you know, maybe Kalen Boer starts saying whose program is it type of thing. And, and you know, I'm not saying it's going to get to that point, you know, at, at all. I have no reason to say that, but I'm just saying there's, there's uh, so many things that are going to be very interesting to see how they play out in the next 48, 72, you know, week in, in the next two weeks or whatever, however long it may be. But, you know, I brought up, you know, you talked about Michael Penix for a second and I was doing a couple stories about what past recruits or things that people have said about Kalen DeBoer in the past. And, you know, I've got a quote here from uh, this was when Michael Penix decided to transfer to Washington. He said, going Indiana helped me meet Coach DeBoer and our relationship that we built throughout the years has been amazing. I wouldn't want to play for anybody else. So I'm super blessed. So that just kind of shows the relationship they formed. Maybe, you know, kind of shows the kind of person Caleb DeBoer is, you know, and talking a little bit more with the national guys, kind of learning more about the recruiting and development standpoint. He, they, All three guys I talked to from the national team kind of talked about how he is, you know, family, family, family. You know, he's he's got, you know, a different way of recruiting maybe than, Al, than Nick Saban does. I, you know, most fans, I don't know, have know this but assistant coaches were kind of broken up by region in the country for recruiting wise and i was told caleb DeBoer does it kind of multiple assistant coaches on each recruit doesn't matter where you know you are in the country so you know if a coach gets fired or you know something happens you still got that constant communication so again you know i kind of keep coming back to the same point but we're going to see how it all plays out very quickly it's going to be very interesting to see if you know caleb DeBoer says you know this is my recruiting department this is you know my program well it is his program sorry about it. but you know it's going to be very interesting how he handles that dynamic yeah no there's there's a lot of interesting things that we're going to keep track of and you know learn more about in the days weeks and months ahead i, I feel like you know spring ball is going to be here before we know it um, there's still another what 28 days of free-flowing open transfer portal stuff that we're going to have to see between alabama's roster and washington's roster so we'll be sure to keep track of those things um, you know, and at some point we're going to meet the guy at some point, he's going to cut, he's going to show up here in Tuscaloosa. There's probably going to be a lot of fan excitement at the Tuscaloosa airport, if not Birmingham. And, um, you know, he's going to have to move his family across the country. A fun little thing I thought was really cool about this. I guess his older, do oldest daughter, Alexis is a very, very talented softball player. Um, so, you know, you that know, got hey, me, you know, that got me excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Like you covered, you know, Alabama softball. That was one of the first things I wrote about when I got hired here last June. Like there's, you know, is she going to come with him to play for Alabama? I think that, I think Patrick Murphy would probably be pretty happy about that. If that's ultimately what happened. Uh, it's, it was pretty interesting. I thought on Twitter, I think it was Brandon Marcello or someone over on two, four, seven kind of brought, uh, found a quote. It was like from Kalen saying, you know, my, my daughter, I can walk a hundred feet and go watch my daughter practice. Like it's nothing better in the world. Um, so <laughs> I would think maybe he's, she's going to transfer over here. I maybe burn, put it in the call to, you know, old coach Murph and said, uh, you've got a new player on your roster type of thing. <laughs> I'm not sure at all, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, looking at her, she seems to be super talented. So, uh, that was pretty exciting. Kind of a neat, it's just kind of neat how, uh, it's kind of a small world, even in college football. And I think it was, you may know better than me. I think Mike sent it over. It's like, Jim McElwain's son, who's the old offense coordinator at Alabama, was is 
somewhere high in the personnel department with Kalen DeBoer. So it always comes, what goes around comes around. It's just kind of a small circle. It's, it's certainly uh, very interesting. 100%. We've got a lot of time to dive into all of that over the next, like I said, days, weeks, months ahead. Guy hadn't even gotten to Tuscaloosa yet. And here we are with the instant reaction pod. We'll definitely have more of that as we go forward. We appreciate you guys tuning in to listen to us uh, today. Um, not sure exactly when we'll be back. Uh, we might be back before the intro press conference. We might also be back immediately after the intro press conference, whether that's sometime this weekend or maybe early next week. We'll obviously keep you guys up to date at Bama247.com. In the meantime, though, please uh, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama247 and 247 Sports. We are running a special. I feel like we're always running a special, but now we are absolutely running a new coach special. 60% off uh, an annual VIP membership for the entire year. I believe it comes out to about $43 for the entire year. Should absolutely take advantage of that, especially if you are a diehard Alabama fan. We're going to be having loads of intel and content and stories and thoughts and opinions and analysis about Kalen DeBoer hire, what it means for Alabama, what it means for Washington, and everything in between. So be sure to sign up. Uh, thank you, Brett, for jumping on to instantly react to uh, Alabama's new head football coach. Still a weird thing to say, but we're going to have to get used to it now. Kalen DeBoer is the new guy in Tuscaloosa. We appreciate you guys always as listening. We will talk to you all again soon.